there's only a certain point you can stop, you can get to blaming your parents. And then at some point you've got to have to say, I'm an adult. And, and the reason I say take responsibility, even if you're not to blame for a situation, is that if you're not responsible, you're not responsible. If, if you put the onus on someone else, you're powerless to change it. Welcome to the Mindful Paths podcast with Nick Bay and Harry Kalimnios, where we explore the fascinating world of mindset, mindfulness, fitness, well-being, vitality, leadership, and of course, personal development. Our goal is to provide you with insights to help you live a more fulfilling, happier and healthier life. So if you're striving to be a better parent, friend, leader, colleague or boss, or if you simply want to be more mindful and aware of the world around you, then this Mindful Past podcast is going to be for you. We invite you to eavesdrop on our conversations and we challenge you to discover a new insight to help you on your own journey towards personal growth and positive change. So sit back, relax and let's begin our journey together on the Mindful Past podcast. Yeah. Harry, how are you doing, mate? I'm in a pretty good spot. I'm, I'm swinging on your <laughs> hammock in your wonderful garden. This place is awesome. It is like 30-something degrees, I think, today. And uh, for me, this is my little bit of being abroad when I'm sitting in a hammock, and I don't do it all that often. So I was like, Nick's coming around. I'm going to definitely get the hammocks out. We'll make sure we sit in them. Maybe we'll do the interview, not the interview, the, uh, the podcast in the hammock. Um, yeah, it's it's nice. I mean, we've had a little bit of fun today with uh, not a proper gym session, but exploring some of the craziness that I've got in my house and yeah, some mobility stuff I'll, for you. I've been on your sex swing. Yes. I've done that. Uh, full <laughs> disclosure, it's a uh, yoga trapeze uh, and has not been used for the uh, aforementioned sex swinging part it's, of it. It's definitely a sex swing and I love <laughs> being on it. It was great fun. Uh, I was on it solo. He was on solo. He was on solo. Harry did, however, teach me a few moves on the sex swing, um, <laughs> which were quite complicated. But I did need some assistance they, they with a couple of them. They were complicated. That, that's all true. Um, oh, no, it's great, man. So um, for full full disclosure for those listening, I've, uh, I'm in London for a rare week and I thought I'd make the opportunity to pop over and see Harry because it's his birthday tomorrow. It is. Which is very exciting. I don't you think are, I'll disclose how old I'll be. But... Uh, 21 years young. 21 years young. Absolutely. That's it. Uh, and he's given me a little bit of a tour of his uh, quite amazing house, which includes all the gadgets and things. And he's, he's already treated me to two different types of smoothie. Uh, actually, need to correct that one is a smoothie, one is a juice. juice. Vegetable juice, vegetable smoothie. Never knew there was necessarily a difference, but there definitely is now. I've, I've tasted them, which have been good. Yeah. We've had a little play in your gym working on... I've, so I've discovered, it might be your birthday, but I was yeah. talking about this earlier. Yeah. I have some severe mobility issues. Yeah. Now... I used to, for the, some people listening to this will notice, I used to do a lot of obstacle course racing, which involved kind of full body workouts and jumping over stuff, swinging off stuff and whatever. Obviously stopped that two years ago, I've just been doing triathlon for the last two years, which pretty much is swimming, obviously running and cycling. I don't do much of the swimming. And I, my 42nd birthday was in August and I thought, oh my God, I've recently really started to feel pain in like hip flexors and groins and I, I can run a marathon but I can't bend down and pick up a box so uh, I asked Harry and complained to Harry about my pain and he's been giving me some mobility exercise to do and it's really highlighted well you're probably explain how bad my mobility is well I wouldn't you know I wouldn't say it's bad like I, like I said when I was in Estonia I was doing that same five minute routine with my mate and he was in exactly the same position he's like probably 10 years younger than you he's, uh, he's quite fit as well he climbs mountains and does all sorts of things um, but like I was saying to you before mobility can be and flexibility can be a long time to get it but once you've got it then it will stay for longer now I'm not na- naturally flexible uh, yeah I've been doing yoga 15 years um, pretty consistently 
And that's definitely helped. But even when I teach my classes, I'm teaching more of a strength-based class than a flexibility class. Most of my students are way more flexible and open than I am. But, you know, talking about you bending down to get that box, and I think I mentioned before, the whole reason that I started yoga in the first place is because, you know, I wanted to be, you know, able-bodied as I age, right? And, you know, I see, you know, what's happening to my dad at the moment with his mobility, and it's, it's really hard to sort of see as you, you know, use it or lose it is the, is the simple thing. Yeah. And the fact is that when I was, where was I the other day? I think I was in the park and there was families and they're walking around with, you know, their toddlers, like two, three years old, I guess. They're walking around and the kid sees something on the floor. Immediately they go, they go into that squat position. They do, squat. It's natural, so, isn't it? So natural, so effortless. And I look at them every time I've got that twinge of jealousy that I'm like, it's so easy for you. And I say to my niece all the time, because they're getting, they're now like, 11 9 age um and some of them are more flexible than others but i'm like you've got to just keep doing that because you know when you're like four five six seven eight years old it's easy and as you start to become like a teenager and, and everything else you start to lose that a little bit more then you know 20 30 years later yeah if you haven't done De- much definitely take it for granted i mean i studied the fo- the uh, moshe feldenkrais method when i was at university oh feldenkrais yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. when his method is based on him having a major accident and being unable well being immobile unable to walk and and various things and he ended up being able to retrain his body despite what physiotherapists and doctors had said he'd be able to do by studying babies and toddlers and retraining the brain to and his own brain to to, to walk and move again and I, I had that years ago if you take it for granted and you don't really think your mobility is going to go and then mm. so, literally this year i said to my wife i've always felt like i've woken up and i just suddenly feel old and yet i can run marathons and cycle yeah. long distances but health isn't just about how far you can run right no. my flexibility mobility is just just terrible at the minute so that's my yeah. new mission yeah well like i said minutes 15 minutes a day you know I'm, I'm not so great with it although like yesterday i I, I taught two hours of yoga, so I was like, okay, that's that's enough. I mean, when I teach, I tend to demonstrate a bit anyway, so I'm getting a bit in there. But, yeah, 15 minutes a day, if you can just get into the habit, I think, um, you know, again, it's like it's like why I keep banging on about your performance, like sleep, water, mobility. If you if you tune those in... Three things I don't have. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, you're so amazing at all those things without that. Like, I can't even imagine how good you'd be with that. Well, yeah. I'm going to try. I'm, I'm making a commitment to try and sit on the mobility side. We should set the scene right now, right? Are so, you going to try or you're going to do it? Oh, well, you know, if I, usually when I say what <laughs> I mean, I'm going to do, right? Whether I do it as a lifelong thing for you for 20 days. No, but you know. say like do 21 days. If you, if you give me a 21 day program, yeah. I'll do the 21 day yeah. program. Yeah, all right, good. But I'm going to set the scene. So for those that are listening right now, I'm swinging on a blue hammock under like a outdoor kitchen that he has in his garden, barbecue area. Uh, Harry is also another hammock, so we're kind of face across each other. We've got the sun setting. You can probably hear the planes going overhead, a little bit of traffic behind us, but what a gorgeous evening. And to be able to record and chat while swinging in a hammock is slightly surreal, incredibly relaxing. A bit of vitamin D coming in. Yeah. While the sun is setting. Um, this is nice, man. It is good. So, um, your house now, is your now, kingdom. Yeah, well, that's it. The thing is, it's all about having that nice space. Um, and like you see up on my wall, it's like good vibes only. That's the kind of number one rule of the house. So I put that up there three years ago oh this sign guys for those listening is it's math it's it's, yeah, it's pretty yeah. big it's like a four yeah. foot sign yeah <laughs> yeah it's a big it's a big sign it's not like a little picture and uh, it's one of those ones that you stick straight on the wall and i, I put that up there three years ago when i moved in because um you know i think i wanted to have that vibe in my house right and so i don't like having arguments in here and like people crying for no reason with my my nieces i'm like you can cry fine if you like hurt yourself but you can't be 
getting all crying for the sake of crying. Yeah. You know, it's all about good vibes here. Um, and um, yeah, the little things like having the hammocks, having the, having the gym set up, having all that uh, creates a space that works for me. So I'm quite excited. You got some mates coming around later for a barbecue, and I've I've come around the house with. I know how he doesn't typically drink alcohol, but he does often drink it when he's with me. Yeah. So I have brought around a vegan bottle of champagne, which I will have. So we're gonna have a bit of that later. <laughs> over some plant-based burgers, which I bought, jalapeno yeah. burgers, which actually I'm quite excited to eat. They're going to be quite nice. So, yeah. uh, should be good. I mean, I was saying earlier, we are talking about gadgets, and there's a gadget I found, I haven't used it, because I logged into my app since 2018. No, I've got to It's by Antelope, and it's a full soup system. I bought it on like a Indiegogo early, you know, crowdfunding thing years ago. They're now retailing at like 1,700 euros, by the way, so mm. I don't, I don't, I'm not using it. But I've, found it the other day, came across it, I thought, right, I'm gonna get back into my mobility, back into my training, try and change things up a little bit. And I had my first workout today, and to describe what this is, it's like an EMS suit. So the electrical impulse suit, and it's everything from abs, chest, back, uh, quads, hamstrings, I'll have to let you have a go on, mm. it's a full piece of kit. I thought, what I'll do, you're supposed to do 20 minutes a day, haven't used it for, what's that now, five years. I thought, I'll go for a 10 mile run, and I'll put it on as I go. I've absolutely, I had it on for the entire one. I kept just resetting it another 20 minutes, another 20 minutes. I couldn't run faster than five th- minute 30 pace. So it absolutely impacts you because the endurance setting on it means that these stimulants are, are kind of moving constantly the whole time. Yeah. Finished it. I just absolutely, I don't know if it's the run, the fitness, I'm just absolutely knackered. No, EMS for an hour whilst running. Um, I reckon you can have some really quick fitness gains though. Well, yeah, but like we were, I was saying before, it's all about the recovery, right? And I think like if you've overdone on the body with that, because that's why they say twenty minutes a day, not Probably. wear it for a ninety-minute run. <laughs> well, no, maybe not. <laughs> <You know>? oh. <laughs> Although, like I said, like you, I've got those um, the normal tech type trial, trial things. You can have a go on those. And uh, I, I put my mate on them once when he came. He was in there for like three hours. Yeah, so right. <laughs> they make me go to sleep. Yeah. I put them on to help me. That's sleep. my sister. They're my amazing. sister, she just goes to sleep on them. She's like, I want them. But she wants the one, there's, I think, a, a, an upper body she one. She sleep. Yeah. So she, she wants a whole body one. So when she moves into her new place, um, I'm sure she'll get get one because she hasn't got any space at the moment. So describe what these are for listening. These are like compression trousers you yeah. put on for, to recover. And they kind of, they, they have like yeah. targeted pressure chambers that... That, that I don't know what they do to change they the just blood basically flow yeah they just con- constrict the blood flow and then release it it's like squeezing a hose pipe and then releasing it and just flushes things out and uh, helps release like the susceptibility to DOMS like delayed onset muscle yeah. soreness reduce your cortisol make you more relaxed you use them pre-workout as well I mean, yeah I mean I, I tend to just use them I haven't used them recently because it's been so hot and you, you get quite yeah, hot in but my um, the reason I bought them actually was for my dad because he doesn't move much and I was like he needs to get blood flowing in his legs so but he used them pretty consistently for a couple of years but then it just got a bit of faff like having to get my mum to put them on even like me when I'm trying to put them on I can now be bothered so I bought him um, an EMS device as well actually you just put you put your feet on it now and it sends and yeah, yeah. shock waves up the um, electrical pulses up the legs they are mad if you put them too hard unless I put it on my arms got oh, device, yeah. the, on your suit you've got the ones that go on your biceps yeah and like, I couldn't I couldn't adjust my phone it was pulling too hard so every time it went off <laughs> it like it contracts your muscle I was trying to change I the know. thing on my phone I couldn't move my I, I remember like Bruce Lee used to use them back in the 70s. Like, really? you know, the, yeah, oh yeah, you used to get the, the ab one. The ab one. <laughs> but um, yeah, so anyway, that's a, that's a, <laughs> a long opening for today. Yeah, what were we going to talk about? We wanted to talk about something. Well, I was going to, well, obviously, probably change a little bit because we're sat yeah. on a hammock swinging yeah. in the open breeze. But I was going to talk a little bit about authenticity and what that meant 
for you and how I think I've seen it show up and not show up recently. Yeah. Um, and what, I, what do I mean by authenticity? Like, the idea that we don't do the things that we really want to do mm. because we're fearful of, and I'll say it's judgment because I think typically that's what it is, the judgment of others if we were to do that thing. Yeah. So, um, really simple example of that might be a child I can use my own children as an example a little bit maybe not Leo who's only nine but an older daughter um, now when she grew up I've got loads of videos of her singing and dancing as we do with most kids they love it singing to Frozen dancing around the kitchen mm. There's, they haven't got that understanding of social judgement at that age yeah. it's, if it's joyous and it's fun I'll do it all right, by the same token, if they don't like something, they have a tantrum. All right? yeah. It's very easy as a parent to understand if a kid loves something because they show you, they tell you, yeah. or if they don't because they sulk, they cry, or whatever. And it's a really, you think parenting, you've got it sussed, it's really easy. Of course, this doesn't just relate to children. But I've realised that as my daughter's got older, and it's not just her, other children as well, because I'll ask her about the kids in her class and the idea of getting up and singing, in, for example, karaoke, right? And we talked a little bit about that in the last episode, which kind of stimulated the thought behind it, really. But People don't do it anymore, but it's not because they don't get loads of joy from it, although they wouldn't get joy because of the social judgment. But if they, if you took that social judgment away, in theory, the joy of singing, the joy of dancing wouldn't would still be there. Yeah. And it does come out when people have had a few drinks and karaoke, sometimes you see it come yeah. out. And if you go to a club, it'll come out. But when you're not in that state, let's say you're completely sober in this instance, people won't go up and do it. But authentically, that is actually what they want to do to get joy. Yeah. So we're actually just what is where does that fear come from why do we let that fear dictate who we really are and what it gives us because what it also does is it it reduces our ability to laugh it reduces our ability to have and feel joy um and i watched a video recently which was talking about laughter and let me actually let me ask you a question Mm. i'll think about it because i'll try and it may be different, but I'll try and give you a sense of what the, this video I, I watched yeah. uh, gave me. When was the last time you like really laughed, like belly aching? They had a really good giggle, tears of laughter. Oh, belly aching! To be honest, it's a- actually hard to get me to that point. Although I did laugh, well, even just a good laugh. No, I laughed yeah, the other day watching something on on. I can't remember if it was. Um, it might have been the Netflix comedy special Thirty Seven and Single. Okay, that's cool. So that's, you remember that one? Well, yeah. and, and give me the time before that. Um, I will laugh when I've got my nieces around, okay. definitely. Um, but I mean, laughter for me is is a big part of the well-being thing. Uh, Norman Cousins, that's the guy I was thinking of the other day. I was talking about laughter the other day with someone. And, um, and I was saying how Norman Cousins, who I can't remember if he was like a news journalist or an author or something like that in the 60s, 70s, but he claimed to have cured himself from cancer or something or other. Um, with laughter, like eight hours a day laughter therapy. I think there's a certain, I, I can actually believe that. I, I, no, I, release. release. Well, yeah, because you're releasing cortisol, you're releasing stress. You know, you, you're creating those endorphin things which are going to be beneficial to the healing so, process. To bring it back to, so I would say then you probably last, you've laughed once a week ago, maybe the time of your nieces, maybe a week. Not two often before. enough. Um, but if we yeah. think about maybe it's twice a month, three times, I mean, yeah. that's nothing. No. It's not enough. No. And actually, I think that's really representative of how most people are. Not everybody. Well, in, the, in, in, our, in our culture, because I was thinking about this the other day when I was watching something and it was like a, I guess it was, um, a, it was, I don't know, whether it was Central America culture or some, some culture. And there were two, actually, no, you know what I was watching? I was watching an episode uh, yesterday of Shark Tank, um, the US Dragon's yeah. Den version. 
and the, the guys were pitching a Korean uh, Korean barbecue in a, in a in a pot sort of thing and they'd had like millions of sales they were pitching it for like 50 million as a thing and one of the things the guy was saying he was really happy and smiling he was saying like you know there's so much laughter and so much joy in that Korean um, yeah. environment and, and there is with like lots of cultures but I think in certain cultures maybe uh, in, in more European cultures it's not as prevalent it's I, think. I think I think it's there but it's suppressed so to take it back to that point because you're absolutely right and it is it is it is I, I'm definitely referring to western culture where we are here yeah. and I'm sure it's more prevalent elsewhere but in a video that I watched the guy said oh yeah no, I laughed with my mates two weeks ago and just for that and he thought that was quite normal there was no issue until the guy pointed out so you probably laugh you know really out there 24 times a year like that's not enough so he said and the guy went well I guess I haven't ever really thought about it like that and he said well let's explore it and I was obviously watching this thinking that's probably about the same for me so what's the issue and actually there were some common traits between this individual and me and maybe that's why it resonated more I found the whole conversation fascinating but anyway it was a YouTube video but anyway the, the guy said to him well why don't you laugh every day like it's the most natural thing and he said well he said well they, 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 I won't go through a whole story so this video is quite long but in essence they, they went through lots of different questions talked about his childhood and he said when I was growing up this, the guy that doesn't laugh very often he said look I wasn't very good at school I was always getting in trouble I was in the wrong crowds always getting in trouble I got in trouble with the police a couple of times and these different things and he said that what happened on the back of that is if I was laughing in class there was an immediate assumption that I was doing something wrong mm. what have you done? Yeah. so I can't learn not to laugh in class because there was an assumption I was doing something wrong even if I wasn't and maybe I was sometimes but they've made a connection yeah. so you're kind of told it's not good to laugh in that instance then you get home and you're laughing at home and your mum's like what have you done? Yeah. so it's the same so he said over these years I've kind of probably learned that it's, it's not acceptable to laugh yeah. so I'm suppressing it and the guy the massive, the massive, the massive guy like the strong strong as an ox guy and he started to really get quite emotional about it and he was like oh god it's a real it's a real sad thing I should be laughing more but I think it's just really suppressed and it goes on to the things we suppress and you talked about this earlier today when we met up what's stuck in your subconscious that we suppress it and it's somewhere in the back of his mind he's been told that it's not necessarily okay to laugh unless you're really with close friends or really mm. in a secure environment and I, I, I guess I was linking that to authenticity and and Sometimes, yeah. yeah, because you're being an authentic. Well, being authentic to me, I guess, means like you know, behaving in a way that aligns with who you are. Yeah. And and when you're suppressing a laugh or whatever, you're not behaving in a way that when you want to do that. And I think, you know, definitely it resonates where you were talking about. Oh yeah, you're told not to laugh at school and all this, and and all of these things are learned behaviours, right? Yeah. Um, because if you think about it, like children bring us so much joy, and they 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 are. It, they're blank canvases until we muck them up a lot and they are laughing all the time I remember actually one of the things I miss actually about previous relationship that I had um, you know many years ago I think we laughed every single day yeah we do four years every day we laughed yeah and then and I noticed that when when we when we broke up and I was like I'm really gonna miss that and then I tried to replace it with like comedies and things like that and I'm pretty sure I write about laughter in, in the book that I'm going to release and and I talk about okay if you if you don't have like the nieces or the kids because usually you can laugh with young ki- kids all the time yeah um, 
is yeah watch the comedies so that's interesting we can but i think that's because it brings out the childish nature in ourselves i think i laugh pretty much every day when i was at university it's post university when you get into the corporate Mm. world and and different things but i think we can laugh more i can laugh more with leo and eva sometimes than i can with my with with, certainly with work colleagues occasionally you have banter in in, in inverted commas but i also think it's not because things aren't funny i was trying to think i was thinking this through since i saw this thing i was like is it also because we're not doing the things that give us the joy, that give us the laughter? So, for example, mm. we talked on the last video. It was only really reflecting on our last podcast. And I was talking about when I absolutely, and I have, because my friend Adams, um, Neil has since sent me the video, like completely, completely destroyed. And there's a video of it. There is, I'll, I'll, again, <laughs> authentic, I don't mind showing you, because why? We'll have a good laugh, by the way. It's absolutely worth doing. But I watched it back, and I had a good laugh at myself. But most people wouldn't have put themselves in that position of potential ridicule, Mm. in order to do that thing but yeah. actually although I did completely bomb the song I did really enjoy being up on stage I did really enjoy playing the guitar I still do and I enjoy singing even if I'm not very good at it yeah. so I got joy out of doing the thing and the result of that thing is allowed for quite a few number of laughs maybe at my expense but it doesn't matter yeah. because what was authentically within me and I, I was angry with myself when I heard the podcast back because I put a lot of the pressure on my dad telling me that he wanted me to go up and me saying I didn't want to go if I'm really honest with myself, of course I wanted to go. I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. I just kind of knew I wouldn't be any good. Yeah. Well, you needed that. That, that was that the push support. that got me to do yeah. the thing. But I actually laid the responsibility for me going up in the last episode. And there's only me listening to it back in real time. I went, that's a bit unfair. Mm. I did. Of course I wanted to go up. I just knew I wouldn't be any good. And that gave me permission, yeah. which I shouldn't need, but it gave me the permission to go up and make a fool of myself. But all I've had since doing it is laughter, fun and joy. That's it. I mean, I think like there's a, a, a phrase that I, I, I always remember and I'm going to somewhat butcher it now, but like, you know, when you're young, you're, you know, you're kind of thinking that everyone is thinking about you and judging you. When you get a bit older in life, you don't really care what other people sort of think yeah. about you. And then when you get really old, you realize no one was thinking about you in the first place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I often think about that because, I mean, I deal with this all the time in the stuff that I do in schools because obviously there is, is image is everything well no it's not that so much as that we're doing the public speaking stuff right okay. so so the whole thing is a, a judgment of your speech at the end but and and here we're doing an activity that they're brand new at as well so they they they've gotten they're nervous anyway and you know i do my best to foster an environment that allows for that to happen and i always bang on at the beginning i spend probably the first hour on personal development type stuff like comfort zone and this idea the, I love my acronyms as you probably know but like fail first attempt in learning yeah exactly so I'm, I'm always banging on about that and, and how you know you have to fail to make you know to become successful because we and I say to them like you know <clears throat> you're all very successful at overcoming failure because I saw all of you presuming this happened all of you walk into the room right now and they go what do you mean I go well the average toddler when learning to walk fails on average 17 times an hour Right, falls down 17 times an hour. And imagine if they said to you, Nick, right, Nick, you've already fallen down 12 times this hour. You're clearly not getting this walking malarkey. If I was you, I'd just crawl for the rest of your life. Less heartache, less disappointment. But you didn't think that. And you carried on failing for another six months and then you got it. And then somewhere between the age of two and three and 14 and 15, we think failure is a bad thing. And a lot of that's coming from the judgment of other people. Absolutely, there's no judgment um, when, you, when you're learning. I, I think I remember it's around, for me, it's probably around that age of about eight or so, eight or nine, because I remember like, going to primary school um but in that those lower later years um and it might be because i joined a new primary school for those last four years but you know you start to like 
get on the football team. And, and this is what happened to me is that, you know, you start miss, you miss a shot, you miss a shot on the basketball team and then people are like judging you on that. And then you start to be afraid to do the things that you want to do. Of course, do. and cliques form and you're worried at the... Exactly. And so I think it's, a clique, it's all connected to that. Um, but... But it sticks in your subconscious. So I was thinking about that. I've gone a bit down the rabbit hole, which is what I want to talk about today. Since li- listening to back to my own version of events, which I don't think were wholly accurate in the sense that they were accurate in the way they were described. My dad was asking me to go up, but I actually did want to go up. Mm. I had to reflect on it. But I was thinking, okay, when I'm in the car, me, and my my kids, and my wife, all four of us, we'll sing really loudly. We're comfortable. There's no judgment with ourselves. Yeah. We all know none of us can particularly sing, right? And I would suspect that a pretty high percentage of the people listening to this podcast will also, when something's on, the sing-along comes on in the car and no one else can hear them, they'll sing yeah. to the rooftops, right? And it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an overused comedy sketch seeing people do it. And it's still funny to watch. And yet, very few, if any, would come out of that car and continue to sing the song. But why? If it's joyous in the car, in theory, it should still be joyous anywhere. It's not, for, as I can see it, for only one reason, and that's because other people will hear us and judge us. And we don't want, we want to be socially accepted. But authentically, we know we get joy from doing that. And then there's also the thing where we see, that we always know someone, so comparison being the stealer of all joy. We mm. always know someone that's better at it than us. Yeah. So we wouldn't judge if someone was singing in the street too much, if they were absolutely fantastic. If you see Aretha Franklin, you know, singing in the street, you know, Adele, whatever, you're going to go, wow, that's incredible. You wouldn't you'd judge positively. But because we don't have those voices, we automatically assume the other. And we, we know that we think negatively 80% the time right that goes on the peak but someone somewhere has probably told us that you know we're never going to be a singer when we're older and we listen to that judgment and it stops us doing the thing that we love yeah um and interestingly even i'm telling you this now even though i enjoy singing and dancing or whatever i'm still probably not going to walk down the street and do it for the same reasons and i was was just i guess i've been exploring the things i do or don't do since because of the judgment of others even extrapolating this out to something a little bit more um, I guess it, not necessarily relevant, but um, with joy that, comes laughter, which is where I'm going with the joy thing. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking about more of the not doing the thing that you want to do, right? So, like, um, well, I've read so many of these books, like, feel the fear and do it anyway. But I'm thinking about our listeners here so many people doing work and jobs that they may not love and yeah. isn't authentic to themselves. And what strings to mind because I know that a couple of days ago when we were thinking, oh, maybe we talk about this topic, and you were. Talking about okay, me taking the career change and well, I look up to you in this way. I'm I'm not not envious; it's the wrong word, but I'm very respectful and impressed, and I don't mind saying I have admiration is the right word. I have huge admiration for not not just you taking the career leap you've taken, but since we've met, even when we're away on the tours, like you do the thing that gives you joy whether that's bringing a smoothie maker out where everyone is judging you going for god's sake harry's brought his bloody Mm. smoothie making again or or eating differently and following different diets and and going on silent retreats for 28 days whatever it is and we all think that's a bit mad but you're not doing them for to be different you're doing them because you believe in what you're doing because you believe in your values or vitality and, and all those things and i love the fact that even when we're out on those things i think there's a little bit of your ego comes in because we all have it but you know you've done handstands and great photos and little things that we're all looking at going I wish I could do that but then there's a bit of us going if 
you know, the the, uh, the devil in us or the bad wolf inside us. Like, if I could do it, I wouldn't be doing it anyway in that kind of vein. <laughs> and that's what people was, are thinking, right? And it's really, why, why do you we think what? like I, that? I, it's it's, I, it's a couple so of things. I didn't, by the way. I've had admiration no, no. for it. It's why we're still For me, I love, I love my Bruce Lee quotes. Right? One of my favourite ones from his is that, I think this from him anyway, he's like, you know, I when, when talking to a reporter or something like that, he's asking him some stupid questions or something. He goes, he's like, you know, I haven't been put on this earth to live up to your expectations and you haven't been put on this earth to live up to mine. And I love that because I'm like... I love that. Great. You know, I've not heard that before. Really? Oh, it's one of my favourite ones because I'm like, at the end of the day, um, you can try and please everyone, you please no one. And um, I was talking to my one of my best friends who lives out in Austin the last five years and maybe could go and see him shortly. And I remember 12 years ago, right, he had a heart attack. Um, and it was a big shock. Uh, um, I actually talk about it in the book because I talk about it from a technology point of view because I was ignoring his wife's phone calls because I was having dinner. I was like, you know, can wait sort of thing. But that's another story. But the point is um, that I remember a few months after his heart attack, he came out for dinner with me. And I think he asked me in the car, he was like, oh, you know, you know what would you recommend I eat or something when we get to the restaurant? So, um, and he was asking me the same thing like sometimes you were talking about it's like you know isn't it difficult because like living the way that you live because you know you're gonna have all these challenges right and actually it is true right because you know i probably stopped getting invited out for dinner in fact actually a couple of weeks ago i got invited around to a friend's house for dinner and it's the first time i think i had been cooked for in like 15 years like that or 12 years and i said to him in the car i remember this so distinctly we were near elephant and castle and i said look at the end of the day at one point you've got to decide in life do you want to live by your standards or somebody else's? Because these are other people, they're going to come and go anyway, right? Yeah, you need to live by your standards and what's true to you. But going back to, you know, and thank you for saying, oh, you know, I inspire you. You definitely inspire me, like holding like this amazing jo jobs and the family that you've got and the interests that you have and the, the, all the other stuff you do. But one thing that prompted me to do what I did, I, rem I remember this distinctly in this... Um, so I left the stock exchange, so I worked at the London Stock Exchange from 2004 to 2010, so six years there. Then I got made redundant and prior to that, and I kind of fought for the redundancy a bit because my whole team got made redundant except for me and I think it was to do with not getting too many people, rid of too many people at once. In the end, I managed to wangle it a few months later and, um, and I went on that NLP course and started to shift things and I was... Um, and I was kind of thinking that I wanted to go in that direction, but wasn't sure. And I remember in, this would have been January, I think it was January, early January two, 2011. And I was staying at my parents' house because I think my sister at the time was working <clears throat> nearby and my folks were away. So, and I remember thinking, and I, I, I actually remember being physically sick because I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And, I, and, I, and I'd been out of work for like four months by then. I had come up with the name The Thought Gym uh, a couple of months earlier and I still wasn't doing anything, didn't uh, have any direction. And, <clears throat> and I was going, oh, shall I go back to normal work, shall I not? And I was staying with my sister and I, and I remember she left for work and I, I got up and I was in my bathrobe and I was one of these things where I wasn't going to get out of my bathrobe all day. And I, and I, through all that thought, I physically became sick and I remember being sick. And I don't think even my family know this. And I, I became sick and, I, and then I remember thinking, and I was thinking about my sister Alex and she was working as a director somewhere and I was thinking and I think I've told her this before but she inspired me because she left uni and then she went to work for the BBC and then she decided to quit the BBC and do her own thing and then for years we're talking like four five six seven years 
she was effectively like, I guess, living off her boyfriend, living off my parents, like trying to do this director thing. And then it was like years later, she, she ended up becoming like the youngest director for Hollyoaks. So then she did Hollyoaks later and EastEnders. And now she goes out to the States and does things. And you know, most recent one, I think, was on Netflix, um, The Recruit, the one about the spies or something. Anyway, and I remember thinking she's following she's following what she wants to do. Correct, yeah. And I was thinking, if, if not now, then when? If not now, then when? Am I going to wait till I'm 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 before I do the thing I want to do? And so that's what prompted me, that physically being sick, seeing my sister do the thing that she wants to do, and, you know... And being motivated by, not, not by the, the, the financial side of it. Or, yeah. And, and then doing something that, that feels more... I mean, and to be fair, I, I put things in place that worked. And, and as it turned out, I, you know, I didn't then jump both feet in. So I actually ended up working um, as a contractor at Sainsbury's. And that was the You mentioned your, your sister, like, most people need some kind of agent for change somewhere in there. We all need people yeah. around us to support us on our journeys, right? And you talk about your social bucket, your, like we talk about social energy buckets. We need people to help us and support us. And those that don't support us, often the people that we don't, we don't need. That doesn't mean that everyone should say yes to everything we say, but if it's authentically part of who you are, you, sh- you shouldn't be fearful yeah. of the judgment. But then we look at it on a broader context. Society now is people are scared to say anything. Oh, yeah. And then we lose that authenticity. And if someone does feel a certain way, whether we agree with their viewpoint of view or not, it's almost a bit of a shame that we, that society's putting those boxes up or those walls yeah. up. So people, everyone just wants to think the same way. And it's, it's, it's just so disappointing. Look, I if we, if we all live, I was saying, I was literally saying this the other day to some colleagues of mine. And I, and I, and I say, look, if we all thought the same, right, we'd all be wanting to live in the same house have the same job, yeah. eat the same food, go to the same restaurant. Like the whole point of humanity moves forward because of differences, differences of opinion, differences of ideas. Uh, and it's about respecting those and then, you know, learning and adapting. Like I, from a religious point of view, for example, I don't consider myself religious, right? And I don't want to use a, oh, I'm spiritual or whatever. I, I, I take, and there's so many similarities across many different religions, but it's like you take the similarities, you look at the differences, you, and again, going back to Bruce Lee, which I quote again in this in my book, absorb what is useful, discard what is not, and add what is uniquely yours. And that's what I like to tell my delegates when they come and listen to me speak, is that you might not agree with everything I say, right? But you know, don't, firstly, don't dismiss it out of hand, right? Try it on for size for a bit. But once you've tried it on for size, absorb what's useful, discard what's not, and then put your own twist on it. And, you know, I think, you know, when we're a bit becoming our authentic self, it can be hard to actually sometimes even understand who we are because we're, we, are, we are only who we are in relation to other people. That's also a thing. Yeah, we're often a product of our surroundings, a product of our But what I mean is that well. not only just being a product of our surroundings, but like, for example, you know, I'm, and I'm not to say that I'm different around different people, but I am. Different people are going to bring out different energy within me. Now, that, that's all still my authentic self. But we need those other people to bring out parts of ourselves. So when we have people around us who are, and, I, and, and again, this comes back to some of the friends I've maybe moved further away from, where I felt like they weren't maybe as supportive, right? Or um, and that's not to be that's not to be totally fair to them a lot of times. Because I remember, like I, I don't know if you know that I did a comedy thing a while back. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So you know, and I think they came out to to support one one show and, and stuff like that, and. You know, but you want friends in your corner that are going to champion you, even if you're, you know, 
you know, you do you do want some authentic feedback from them as well, but you don't. But well, they're championing you, say, not your comedy. That's the thing. That's the authentic yeah. part. Is like, you know, yeah. my wife wants to take a different direction at any point. I don't really care what that direction is. If it's what makes her whole and happy, and and she feels that's that's calling her. My job as a husband is to give her all the support she needs without judgment. Yeah. Um, not you know. I don't think that thing is cool. I mean, I, I tell you what, we're watching, this thing's amazing. Uh, so I am judging now, but mm. I also love it. And there's two, that's just two things I'll mention. One is I showed my mum a video. She did not believe this thing existed. And we went, she actually tried to do this at my dad's party when we were in France. There is a thing really big in Scandinavia. Um, and it's the Hobby Horse Championships. If you've ever seen this, have a look on YouTube. This thing exists. Hobby Horse is like a wooden horse, is it? Yeah, literally mm. there are, it's really, really popular, like really popular. And there are girls and boys that, put a hobby horse, have a hobby horse between their legs, whatever, and they... That's the one between the legs and the... Yeah, they mm. do jumps, they do dressage. You know, I think I've seen something like It's this. mad, and it's really popular. And there's, there's a particular video I was watching showing my mum of a girl who had flown out for the champ world championships. She she videos her, her journey. She talks about the scores. Oh, I got a really good score. My fit, foot placement was a bit wrong here. But they're literally running around with, with hobby horses, and the, the instant reaction is to laugh and think that's ridiculous. And that was certainly my first reaction. I don't have my hands up to it, it just was. And I showed my mum because I thought it was funny, right? My mum looked at it and thought it was the most wonderful thing mm. she'd ever seen. Instantly went out and wanted to buy hobby horses, wanted to do it for the group. She just thought it was wonderful. She has no interest in exercise whatsoever. And she was like, that's something I would love to try. I was like, what? She didn't find it funny at all. She just thought it was absolutely Wait, the most wonderful thing. Are you, are you now not being your authentic self by restricting yourself from laughing at that? Because I actually, I think... No, no, that, I did laugh at it. Oh, good. Because no, the no, thing no, is, because, what I'm saying. because the thing is... Like, I'm not fearful of judgment, I, I did laugh I think... The sad thing in think... myself was I judged... People may not but, do the thing they love because they're worried that I might laugh. Yeah. Should, but my mum did it anyway. There was but, a kind of everything What I want to say is that there is always going to be a ju judgment, right? And, and so I'm not sure that the judgment is so bad. Like, because let's say I'm doing something and you're judging me. You judging me is fine. But as long as it doesn't stop you doing the thing. Yeah, exactly. Correct. So it's like, so it's like you can still have that judgment. I'm just not going to have a judgment about your judgment. You're basically. not going to feel the judgment or suppress yeah. what you want to do. Yeah, for yeah. the judgment. Because, no, I get that. Because that's that's, that's the thing. But it was also like coaching or, or, or trying to be a better person is about awareness and awareness of what mm. is it I was laughing at. I was laughing because it was so different and in my head ridiculous. And I still yeah. think it relatively is. Um, but then I saw my mum's reaction, which was totally different. I kind of made an assumption that everyone who watched this would have the same view as exactly. I did. She thought it was the most wonderful thing ever. And then she said, you know, if, if Eva or Leo were into this, I know you as a dad. You would be the most supportive yeah. Yeah. and suddenly you'd take the whole thing. But you'd seriously. be super proud as well. Of course you they're, they're, they're kind of doing something. I mean, do they, check they, it out. It's, it's the most... I know, I, I've got thing. it in my head because actually... I'm starting to have a little bit of a smirk when I'm when I'm seeing I've them got, go, going around doing I've it. I've got a friend of mine I spoke to recently, and um, she disclosed. I say friend is a work colleague. hadn't hadn't met her for several years. We met at a work event, and um, you know we had a really good conversation. But she she'd listened to a couple of episodes. She might be listening to this one of the show, and she obviously from listening to the show felt confident enough to disclose something that she hadn't disclosed before. Now I bring this up because you mentioned that you're not religious and you know and whatever. She said, "Oh, you know, you might." might judge me here which is really interesting because that's how she opened the conversation mm. so already you know that's something that's suppressed from a lot of people but you feel honoured that she's sharing it because she don't, she prefaced it with that but she says I can hear voices from dead people mm. she said I hear people all the time I don't do anything with oh, wow. with this gift but I hear it regularly there's no one here at the moment but isn't that mad and sometimes I can be in the most weird places I can be 
anywhere and suddenly someone will, will connect with me that I don't know and ask to try and connect with someone else so I can hear these things. Uh, and how mad is that? And sometimes I've used this gift in, in, in good ways to help family members. And I was, I thought it was the most wonderful thing she told yeah. me. And it, weirdly, it's not something that I believe happens. And yet I didn't, I was very cautious not to be too dismissive of the fact that it does for her. Yeah. It kind of challenges it because I'm like you, I'm not religious and don't well, really believe I'm in not, ghosts. I'm not religious in terms of I don't follow a dogmatic religion. But I'm it's also different. not going to correct someone on something that was true for them just because I've not experienced well, it. Well, I, I actually believe it is true. And I just stuff. found it wonderful. It was just a really good conversation. Yeah. And I, I had it with, in my head, I was, and I, I had to be conscious of my own awareness of it because the, my, my initial reaction would usually be dismissive because it's not true for me and not something I've experienced. Yeah. It was very, very true for her. Um, and it kind of, I don't really know, it left me just contemplative I guess well it reminds me actually I saw a, a silly uh, an Instagram post by I don't know if it was like Eva Mendes or someone or other um, but she it was talking about oh when you know my child gets into trouble I want them to like be thinking that I'm the first person to call rather than trying to hide why they're going yeah. into trouble from and it's that it's that idea of yeah, feeling safe that you're not going to be judged and feeling safe that you're going to be supported in whatever the thing is that you need to share with your parent or whoever it is. And I think we as a society do a really bad job in fostering that. And that's why people are so, you know, not being their authentic self, right? You know, they're, uh, and actually, you know, this goes back to what I was watching last night that we talked about the um, open house, weird Channel 4 thing where... Oh yeah, if anyone hasn't watched this, it's about um, uh, the big sex experiment. Oh yeah, it's called Open House, the big sex experiment. And I happened upon about five minutes of it while I was flicking through yesterday. I thought, oh, this is interesting, mainly because I've been, you know, talking about things like that with other people over the last couple of months. (laughs) Yeah, but then I went on and watched about five episodes on, uh, on their kind of version of iPlayer. And and it was really good, but the, the the point in terms of the authenticity part is that a lot of these people, you know, the reason they were going to those things because they it was being un- inauthentic to them to like say live in a, a monogamous relationship like that, and they didn't want to cheat. They wanted to kind of have and explore this in a safe environment and stuff, and be their authentic self. And I think like these days, most people they. Um, this was the other thing I was watching Um, you know I love my movies anyways but it's actually quite a good movie I think you quite like it it's called What's Love Got To Do With It it came out on Netflix the other day I'm always nervous about your movie recommendations so it's um, it's about um, a guy um, who is Muslim and he's 32 doctor and he thinks it's about time for him to get married or something and he's open to the idea of his parents not arranging a marriage but like doing like an introduction or an assisted marriage they call it and and his next door neighbor childhood friend girl girl next door sort of thing and they've grown up together whatever and and she's a documentary maker so she's going to make a documentary about this much to his annoyance but ends up convincing him to to allow it and then they go to pakistan and then you know he meets the wife to be and, and all that and then they come back and it's pretty apparent that it's not you know working out and, and they were talking about oh well we've got to just pretend like it's all good like she was in love with someone else yeah. he wasn't really feeling her so much in the end uh, even though it wasn't forced upon them but it's this idea that oh we'll pretend like everyone else right people just go and put their smile on they go to the job they don't want they're with the partner they don't want and you're being inauthentic and 
and yes, I know life is complicated and, and all of this. But, but it also needs to be, because without yeah. challenge, that's where the joy well, comes from. It needs to be complicated. The joy but, comes from but, um, having a yin and a yang but, to life anyway. When I talk to people, say, about values, right? And we say, like, we've talked about values before. And where there's a conflict in you, where let's say you say, I value family and I value exercise, but you spend 80 hours at work and you don't eat healthily yeah. and all that. Now, one of two things is, is, is happening. Either your values are, are, are wrong, like you actually value work ahead of thing, or you do value that thing, but you're not living in that value. And so when you live in an authentic, in an inauthentic way, and actually one of our top tips for, um, for students, the first one, I think, is be yourself, right? Because you're the world's expert of being yourself. Sometimes though, a lot of people need to do the work to understand what they themselves are, because we get, yes. we, we suppress stuff so much well, from a young age, and often we don't know what that is until we We suppress we stuff, and these days it. now you're being influenced by lots and lots of media around you. And this is why, you know, I spent two and a bit years traveling by myself. I'm gonna go away now by myself, although I'm gonna meet people out there. I've spent a lot of time by myself. I've spent like, you know, 10 days silent meditation retreats. I've done a lot of inner work. And I've, and I, and I've spent, I would say most of my time is single, interspersed with bits of relationships. Other people, they've been in relationship after relationships since they were 16. I don't know how you can really know who you are if, if that's how you've been, because Yes, you need other people, and this is, like I said before, you are who you are in relation to other people, right? So in that relationship with that person, you're like this happy, joyous person. This other one, you're probably a serious person or an annoying person to your daughter or whatever. Whatever it might be, you do need other people to understand aspects of you, but you also need lots of time to yourself to understand who you yeah. are. You know, Socrates says that the unexamined life is not worth living, right? And I think a lot of people will do anything they can not to sit with themselves, not to examine themselves. And I used to be similar. I, well, I mean, you know, so, uh, low self-esteem is, an, is an, an epidemic in itself here. I think there's a lot of people suffering with low self-esteem. I think a lot of that comes from trying to keep up with the Joneses, trying to be what people, they think people, other, other people want them to be. Other people's trying definition to live up to of success. A, a fake expectation. Absolutely. People you know? are thinking that when I have this money, I'll be able to do X and I'll be Y. When I do this, I'll do that. And when I do that, yeah. when you can actually do that thing now, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, money's just a But I, I even like going to uni and doing the subjects I was studying at school, like a lot of people, they go to uni and it's like, it's not like your parents have actually said, do this, but you have this imagined expectation that your parents want you to do this certain thing. Like I'm sure... One of my family members, she was like, you know, oh, I'm well, sort of in different my... communities. Some, some are, you know, very much um, showing they must be doctors or whatever. Yeah, that's it. Well, this person, she, she was like, oh, no, they want me to be a lawyer. It's like, no, actually, no one ever said be a lawyer. You just have decided to do that. Remember, and, it, and for me, it's about ultimately one day taking responsibility for where you are in life. Because there's only a certain point you can start, you can get to blaming your parents. And then at some point, you've got to have to say, I'm an adult. And, and the reason I say take responsibility, even if you're not to blame for a situation, is that if you're not responsible, you're not responsible. If, if you put the onus on someone else, you're powerless to change it. If you put it on yourself, you've got to change it. And Victor Frankl talks about this in his book. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah and yeah. one of the most powerful things we have as humans is the ability to choose mm -hmm. and to have choice. And it's really important we remind ourselves that there is always a choice, even when someone says there is no choice. Sometimes yeah. telling yourself there is no choice, is that, you know, it, there's always a choice we can make. Interestingly, I, I say this because we're sat on two hammocks, <laughs> right? And this is wonderful. I wish we, we're not videoing today, but I mean, the scene is pretty epic. We should you're, take a photo though. We, we should, should we're both we'll take a photo and we'll put it on. Put it in the show notes. But I read um, The Four Hour Week. Yeah, Four Hour Work Week. Work Week, no, I've years got that. ago by Tim yeah. Ferriss. Mm. Big book, so you've got it as well. Yeah. And a, I'm pretty sure it was in that book that I read it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, because I did read it a long time ago. Oh, me too. Um, but Tim Ferriss talks about 
only because you're talking about that money gets gets the thing, and people often are really restricted by by where they are, by their budget, by their financial planning, or whatever, which means they can't be in the lifestyle they think they want to be mortgage fee or whatever. He talks about that in the book, and he yeah. says, look. For a lot of people, the dream is to be sitting on a hammock as we are now, yeah, yeah. sipping cocktails on a beautiful beach, um, and they, they live for that one week a year where they may get to go yeah. away and do that thing. For most people, they could live that lifestyle tomorrow. Yeah. But to achieve that lifestyle, you probably got to move out of the UK and live in the Philippines or live yeah. in Malaysia or live somewhere else in the world. Yeah. And that's the bit, that's the choice. If you want, if that's the life you want, there is nothing stopping you from yeah. having that life tomorrow where, where the pound goes a lot further, where you don't need the same level of income. But we make the choice not yeah. to do that thing. It's our choice often to live in the circumstances yeah, we're yeah. in because we're not willing to take a different choice about being and that there's nothing wrong in not doing right. that maybe because we want to we value social connection more we want to be near our parents we we don't I mean, want to take the risk but it's the idea of being there is always yeah. a choice there's always a choice and you you can certainly do, and it definitely is in that book so i remember thinking to myself i read this after i went traveling but i was i was living on 10 pound a day for like over two years um uh, on average and that included like things like flights and this and the other so you definitely can do it but i also remember when i went traveling um so for the first year and a bit that I was traveling, I never spent more than four nights in any one place. Then after about a year and a bit, I think I spent four months in Sydney. And I remember that bus journey where I decided to go from Sydney to Melbourne and move there. It was a lot harder than I thought, like to move that inertia, to move out of the situation. And I'd only been there four months. And I was like, this is really hard to like, where am I going to stay? Where am I going to do? And the unknown, you know, isn't it? Yeah. And I was like, and I've only been here four months. And you value security. So yeah. That must have been a real inertia. So real, like, yeah. whereas, like, and, and even now, like, I, I've said to my mates in, in the States, I've decided yesterday to book this ticket. And I said, well, I'm going to go into Vegas and I'm going to come out of, because um, you need to have a, a return ticket out of uh, yeah. the States. So I thought, I'll just get one from New York. And I've no idea. And I said to my mate today on the phone, because he lives in Austin, and he's like, well, you know, it's a really busy time for us or whatever, but you're more than welcome. I'm like, look, I'll just do whatever. All I know is I'm going to fly to Vegas on Tuesday. I don't know. I might stay with my friend for a bit unless we get sick of each other, in which case I'll go. I'm going to travel light so I've got the freedom. Because it's quite liberating for me to do that, but it also felt hard to make that decision in the first place. Once I made the decision, it was all right. But to, to go out there felt hard because it's like the unknown. It's like, you know, what am I going to do? Who am I, who am I going to hang out with? Where am I going to go? And I think, I, I think I'm being my, my authentic self, actually, when I do travel and go in a backpack and meet new people. And I felt like when I was in Estonia, <clears throat> it was a version of myself that is more my authentic self. But there's a version of events going on in your mind here, which I think is quite interesting. Yeah. So and we talk, we've talked, I've talked a few times, and I think you have as well, about the idea that the mind naturally will think defensively or negatively more than it thinks positively. Mm. And a rough estimate, and they have done a lot of scientific studies on this, is we think negatively sort of 80% of our thoughts. So your first 80% of your thoughts are all about who am I going to do, what am I going to do when I get there. But when you're able, with the awareness that you have, to switch the positive side on, and actually, this will be an adventure, you know, you can, you can silence the negative thoughts. Well, I just said to my friend, be, look, be. I'm open to possibilities. Yeah. I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm open to possibilities. Possibilities, and I think like, I'm, I've been hanging out with someone recently, and, and she's been um, putting that out there as well. It's like, and actually, it goes back to that judgment piece as well because she she was like saying, look, you know what? She's quite an open, loving person. She's like, you know, she's been in relationships in the past where, you know, that person has been too quick for that person, or it's, and and she, then she's holding back because they're judging. Oh, 
is she really into me or not and she's like yeah. I'm done with all that I'm going to be my authentic self if that person takes it in a certain way then that's on them and that's actually true and you know I was joking with a colleague the other day uh, where I was talking about no one can make you feel anyway so you know people come back and go you know Nick made me f- so no, angry no, no. it's like no Nick didn't make you angry Nick did something you thought and, about and it and you created the Your anger within you created a feeling now, it created an I, I've said this to my family members and my in-laws <laughs> how'd it go down <laughs> it does not go down well it does not go down well but the reality is it's true because yeah. uh, I, I, I think we've said the equation before E plus R equals O so yeah. event plus response equals outcome because you could do the same thing to someone else and they're not going to get angry no. you do that to me and I'll get angry so the anger was not in you and put into me you did the thing the way that I, you've interpreted I chose it, to become angry now that wasn't a totally conscious choice necessarily but once you become aware you can so this decide. is really interesting because I, like I mentioned I didn't think I'd be this be coming up in today's uh, show but actually um, really interesting conversation so I'm in London for I had an event on Thursday it was like a, a payroll leaders influential uh, influencers group which Nick I think won some uh, one, one personality of the year personality of the year for all the work that you do yeah so like, well uh, done congratulations thank you very much sir that was a bit earlier this year but anyway there was, it was a round table so it was like 12, 12 13 uh, people invited it was at the 8 Club in London quite exclusive three course meal we all sat down we chatted about things I won't give the identity of the individual away because that would be unfair to do so but there was a conversation that took place senior level conversation where they were feeling really well they were wondering whether they were in the right job number one and because I felt really restricted they were making loads like the, the success reel of what they'd achieved in a short space of time was pretty phenomenal and they, they'd rolled out all these achievements well, that's incredible I think it's time to go there's a particular um, manager a boss line, a director actually board level director who was always slow to react challenged everything always maybe create a case study you know and by the time I got it through like we've lost weeks and I just find it so frustrating I just don't think I can I can do that anymore. It's holding me back. It's holding me back. And interestingly, that, that obviously the view on, from her perspective was all negative about this particular partner, even though they liked them as an individual in terms of career progression and everything else. So I just thought I'd challenge a little bit. And we, we went through a few different questions. I was like, you know, rather than always talk about what you want, have you asked what that individual wants and mm. try to understand that? And we talked about that. But ultimately what I said is, have you thought about the fact that you've achieved all of these things because this individual hasn't allowed you to do everything. Mm. If you'd been able to do every single thing you wanted, we often believe we can achieve so much in one mm. year, but we overestimate what we can achieve. And we look back yeah. and underestimate what we can do in five. And that's, that's a common thing. But I said to the individual, look, if, you, if you'd only ever been a yes person and you'd gone ahead with everything, you may have found that you'd taken on too much. And actually mm. a lot of the achievements you've had in the last 40 months may not have happened as successfully. Mm. And actually this individual could be the, the break that you need, and I break as in the breaks, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. um, that you need that's allowed you to be as successful as you are. And actually, without that in your workforce, because all the other partners are always saying yes, I don't know, you might have crashed and burned, you may yeah. have been overworked, you may have uh, needed an absolute break, you may be suffering from uh, fatigue, you may have, have nothing left to achieve. But actually, what I'm hearing now is someone who's incredibly motivated, who's achieved loads and loads and loads, that as you the word you said before the grass is always green on the side that you water you're mm. thinking that if i go somewhere else that won't be a blockage well it could be it may not be but you may not mm. have all the, the opportunities to, to to make the number of changes that you yeah. have anyway I had a really good conversation um and by the end of it like she she reflected and said i'd never considered him as a as a positive influence mm. before 
and that's kind of completely changed my perspective. Yeah. Like actually, reframe it. she yeah reframed she reframed it, cha- changed the, the the view. And we we talked a lot about view in the past, so we can look out the same window and see two two totally different things. You know, you see the the pedestrian, I see the sea, or whatever it is. Yeah. And it was just a really interesting in a, in a live environment, mm. watching the 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 perspective change yeah. in real time. And it was it was just a really interesting. Oh, I mean, experience. it's just that penny dropping moment, isn't it? Where you know, people like us as coaches live for where you know you can maybe see something in that person and it's just for them to understand it uh, it's interesting you but at the end of it I think she, she was actually asking maybe that's the part that looks out for me the most well yeah but who knows and, and I, I was thinking because um, I was reflecting on this quote the other day for some reason and as you were talking about um, saying to this person oh have you ever considered that you wouldn't have achieved everything you did if you could do everything uh, I think it was an Oprah Winfrey quote and I remember it saying, you, in life, you can have anything you want in life. You just can't have everything. And that, that's what I reminded. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you, yeah can, nice. you can have anything you want in life. You just can't have everything. And because like, and it's this idea of focus, right? And I, as I like my acronyms, follow one course until success. And sometimes we don't focus enough and therefore we don't get what we want. And if you're scattergun approach but um i'm thinking i don't know how long we've been doing actually on this but uh oh 55 minutes actually so but in terms of like people listening and they're feeling that they want to become more of their authentic self now there's there's something that i really liked actually i think it's called ironically enough authentic communication or there's there's this this branch of i I just remember doing um an activity like five years ago with um some people from mind valley and she was a facilitator in this authentic communication style of communicating. And we did exercises. And one of the ones that I remember, which I really liked, is the one where basically you would tell another, you would go into pairs and you would tell a story or tell some, say something about something. Rather. And when that other person, say like I'm telling you something, Nick, that you're just getting yeah, bored or the other person's going off tangent or you're just not interested, you would just say thank you. And, and it was just that pre-agreement that, okay, kind of shut up or you're, you're kind of like going off on one now or yeah. you're, you're boring. And, and it was doing thing, little exercises like this that actually really, really kind of ignited something in me where I was thinking, I want to be more authentic in my communication. And I, recently I was doing that as well, I think, where I was talking a little bit more honestly about what I was feeling, what I was wanting. Um, so I think, for, I guess my question is for listeners who either want to be more authentic in the relationship they've got, the communication, or maybe living to their authentic self. What, what other suggestions do we think that well, we could I'll, offer them? A couple of things that come to mind. And I'm going to bring it back to the, the sex show that we both watched. The, the oh, yeah, sex yeah. Show, the well, sex, I, I, yeah, the big yeah. experiment, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and also linking it to what we've talked about in your beat model and what we both believe in as well, that the body will tell you when you want to when you want to do something or if you feel something. Mm. So if it's a relationship, I'll go back to the, the big sex experiment in a moment, experiment in a moment. But often we feel it in the body. We feel it as a knot. I'm, I don't mind disclosing, me and my wife, um, when we were in France, she felt something in her stomach, it was like a knot, and she, she hadn't communicated it. And it turned out into a full-on uh, exploration in terms of things that were working well and weren't, weren't, and could do with improvement in our own relationship, right? But we feel it in our body. Mm. and. If you've got a knot in your body, wherever it is, wherever you're feeling it, because you want to say something, that knot's going to go, not going to go away. In fact, it's going to get bigger because mm. it's, your negative thoughts on repeat. It's going to cycle around in your system. So if you're in a relationship and you've got something you need to say, I mean, the recommendation is say it. 
because the authentic part of you wants to say it. The only reason you're not saying it is you're worried about judgment of your partner, you're worried about the, the repercussions or, or whatever it might be. So you can feel it often in your body. And without being too graphic, in, in the, the sex experiment piece, there was it wasn't just people who wanted open relationships. There were all different couples yeah. in this house. I only, see, only saw one episode last night, first time I've seen it. But there was one couple um, where the guy was really paranoid about the size of his penis. Oh, yeah, that's what Yeah, yeah. And he was like, but that doesn't mean he didn't want to have sex with his partner. Yeah. But he didn't want to for fear of judgment and he didn't want to be open in front of others for fear of judgment. And clearly someone at some point had, had either told him that he had a small penis or he had measured up against what he thought was the norm or whatever. Mm. His, his partner didn't seem to mind. No, to she instinct. didn't care at all. It was all, all in his own subconscious and in his conscious mind, to be fair, because he was very aware of it that he had suppressed and, and, and it, it changed who he wanted to be. Mm. And one thing that was really nice watching that one episode was watching him get more comfortable mm. with his own body. Um, because clearly what he wanted to do and what his body was telling him is I want to have sex with my wife, my love's my wife, whatever. And I feel unable to do that confidently because of this issue. Um, and ultimately that issue was fear of judgment. If you, yeah. No matter how you break it down, that's ultimately what's holding him back, the fear of judgment. Am yeah. I enough? Is, you know, is, does oh, yeah. she want something bigger, whatever? And he had to come to terms with the fact that his, his wife never had an issue. She'd married him and, and actually none yeah. of when he then When he did do the comparison being the steal of all joy, but put himself, he had been comparing himself to porn videos and everything else, right? Yeah. But when he sat in a group of people all there for different experiments and different issues yeah. in their own sexual lives, he realised he was actually pretty normal and the judgment went away but to be fair she, she also judged herself did you see she the did judge part herself. of the where they were both in the beds together with the other partners did you see that uh, yes I did and I know um, I didn't see all of that but uh, they clipped it for another episode but it was when she was uh, very uncomfortable oh, so and I up, actually saw that next episode because it, it turns me into like they end up leaving didn't they yeah because basically not to be too graphic for our listeners but the, the four of them are in the bed they start with each other's partners and then the wife goes over to the other guy the, the girl goes over to the other and they're both going down on their respective on the respective yeah. guys and, and and then he's like oh you were really enjoying it and he's like bigger than me and you know you were going deeper on him or whatever and then she was like yeah but you you, see, you never make those sounds with me so she was feeling like <laughs> she inferior. felt really insecure and, and it's leaving and, and like the words you said not enough is um, so there's a therapist who does this thing called rapid transformational therapy Marissa Peer she's quite well known in, in certain circles and and I think her main thing when she's worked with all these clients Hollywood A-list celebrities all that sort of stuff is it all comes down to I'm not enough so it's two things really I'm not enough and I won't be loved they're the, the, the two fundamental things and uh, she has an um, actually this could be something for the um, listeners to, to try uh, I think I'll probably get it wrong, but I'm, I'm sure it goes something along the lines of the mirror exercise where you, you, you look at yourself in the mirror, in the eye, and you say, I am enough. I, I am enough. But you don't just say it rotely. You, you say it like you believe it. And you might have to say it a few times. And sometimes people can get quite emotional with that. And, and I think we need to hear that from other people for sure, but we need to hear that from ourselves. 100%. You know? um, 100%. That internal voice. That, and and th- when I actually finish my, um, <laughs> my yoga sessions, right, I almost always finish it with the same phrase. There's two phrases. So I, we, you know, hands in the preposition, I, I say, you know, um, uh, up to the third eye, uh, watching our thoughts sort of thing. But then I said, um, give us the, rest- when I put the hands in front of the mouth, I say, give us the restraint to watch our words, um, especially when dealing with other people, but also to be mindful and compassionate about our own internal dialogue. And that's because 
we are sometimes our own worst critics. We're hearing ourselves saying, you're not enough, you're not good enough. And I've had this many times, like on the sports field, like, you know, are you going to miss or you shouldn't take the, you shouldn't put your hand up to take the free kick, someone else is better than you. Um, you, know, you hear that this. stuff enough, eventually you believe you're not good enough. That's yeah, you reality. believe it. That's it. And, and people like, unfortunately, people like to say, there's a, it's all like my powerfuls, as you know, so I'm trying to think of uh, one that, that, that correlates. It just popped into my head. It's, it's a really short one. It's good for kids. Um, have you heard the, mill- the millipede who meets the rabbit? Don't think so. The millipede's walking down, <laughs> it's quite a fun one. Millipede's walking down the road, very happy. You know, all, all the, I don't know how many legs they've got, a thousand legs, whatever. All in perfect syn- synchronization. And they're walking really happy across a lovely, beautiful, sunny day. And a rabbit pops on by and jumps on the along, pops, hops along and says to the millipede, wow, I've been watching you walk and it's beautiful. It's amazing. How do you get all your legs to work in such synchronistic And the millipede thought, I've never thought about that before. It, I've just never thought about it. Oh, well, I think it's wonderful. <laughs> Hopped away and the millipede tried to walk forward, fell over. <laughs> was unable to walk yeah. until that moment the idea being as a parable is until that moment it's never something they've had to think about yeah. it's never something she's felt judged even though judged positively the millipedes just walked it's the most natural thing mm. in the world a bit like the, you're talking about the baby or the, the toddler naturally squatting right? yeah. it was only when the millipede thought about how, you, how on earth do you synchronise a thousand legs yeah. and the impossibility of that situation that she was no longer able to walk. Yeah, yeah. I just think, you know, if there was no judgment, even positive or negatively sometimes, that would never have been a problem. Yeah, we overthought it. Yeah, we... We, I, we overthink all the time. I, I mean, people that know me well enough know that about me, and I've been doing my best the last few months to not overthink things, so then I found myself the last few days overthinking things, like I was overthinking this house... Well, not overthinking, I mean, like, they're big things, right? Going on holiday, maybe, going on a house purchase, but then it, it's always up to that decision once the decision has been made and actually i was i think a friend of mine who i saw her post on instagram the other day and she's a psychologist or something she was talking about um decisions and the thing is it's when you make and she was talking about making quicker decisions in business yeah because the thing is when you make a quicker decision even though yes you've got to do your due diligence and a, a few other things but when you and you're quite a quick decision maker i feel and um it frees up so much more time and bandwidth to, to focus on the things that matter. And I found that like recently where I was like, I'm in an RM for like weeks about where I, where I go away. Do I go to Colombia, Thailand, Bali, blah, blah, blah. Do I not go anywhere? But and then as soon as I made that decision, I'm like, oh, can relax. My brain has got free space to think about other things. And, and I, in the RM opinion, when I'm with clients, I often say, look, you are going to make wrong decisions in life, right? And and actually, start with the small things, right? So when when someone says, "Oh, what movie should we go and watch tonight?" and you say, "Oh, I don't care," you you choose. No, you make the decision. Actually, it's often the worst thing people can say is you choose. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, it's like no. you make the decision, right? Where are we going to eat? You chose. You don't say you choose, right? You you yourself choose because what's the worst that can happen? But the thing is, people go from not making any decisions, and I was thinking about this because I need to rebuild my decision making muscle not going to making decisions to suddenly deciding about houses, holidays, careers, partners. And I feel like, you know, some of those uh, uh, things that are cropping up in my mind at the moment, I'm going, yeah, but I've, I've also struggled recently deciding on what friggin' movie to watch, right? I need to start with the small stuff and make quicker decisions. I understand that sometimes they're going to be wrong decisions, yeah. but they're decisions that I own. So if we think about to authenticity, a lot of people will potentially listen to this, will feel they're in the wrong job or doing something wrong and they want to make a change or they want to move out or whatever it is. But we get they get so caught up in the how, it 
stops them from doing the thing. Yeah. And like I would just say, forget the how. I know in business, I don't worry about the how till later on. No, I make the decision yeah. first, and then the how will take care of itself. Because once you've made the decision, you're committed. Yeah. And you go and do it. And you know, I want to even write down some mobility. I haven't considered which exercise I'm going to do yet. That, I'll work that bit out later. Yeah. What I'm deciding is the next 21 days, I'm oh. going to try and improve my mobility. I, I've made the decision. That's what I find very similar in lots of entrepreneurial people I know, like yourself and a few other people. And that's not me. Like, like even like we talked about this podcast, you're like, let's do this podcast, right? And I'm thinking. You were, yeah. I, I was like, well, yeah, I'm thinking, like, <laughs> what's the name going to be? Are we going to post it? How are we going to do this? And you're just like, no, no, no let's just do it. Just do it. And, and that's what I like, right? You're just the, the Nike we'll of figure it, out right? just, just do it, right? And and I've found that with some other people. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like, um, what's his name? Um, I'm not that particularly like him. Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook is like, you know, move fast and break some things or whatever his phrase was. It's just like, yeah, just do the thing. And and actually the book that I read every day, um, the which you might see up there, The Greatest Salesman in the World. Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw it on your shelf. I'm pretty sure it's, uh, yeah, I've got it in both bathrooms, both bathrooms but um. It talks about, you know, when I feel like procrastinating or whatever, I'll counter that with action. Like, just take the action. But there's loads of things that give us signs. So if I said to you right now, um, you're in an ice cream parlor. You like ice cream? I love it. I had okay. lots of ice cream. So day. you're in ice cream, right? Ice cream parlor that does every single flavour in the world. Anything you can possibly imagine, it's available. But you can only choose one flavour. Yeah. What would you go for? Would you potentially be in a mode of going, oh, I like all of those. I don't know. You can yeah. only have one. Well... It depends. And it will be the best ice cream you ever taste in the world. Uh, it will be something chocolate based. But that's, an inter- that's interesting, right? So we offer a lot of, certainly for kids, they'll be in, in wonder that there's so much choice that we don't make any decision at all. No. Paradox of choice. This is why when I ha- became... But we break it down. We break it... I'll come back yeah, to paradox yeah. of choice, but I don't, I don't want to lose the thread. But the yeah. idea being that when you're in there, you can work stuff out. So you just said, well, I like chocolate. Okay, well, that already eliminates... So many. So many. So we know we want something chocolate. Do you like chocolate and yeah. you like chocolate mint you like chocolate straw but eventually you would narrow down all the flavors and you can constantly go well i like that a bit more i like it actually i like strawberries as well so i want chocolate and eventually to get your flavor be first you got to start making the decisions along the you way start cutting, cutting th- things out i think like i was in a delicious the other day that's it and i had like three different types of chocolate <laughs> obviously but but the first decision yeah. in all of that of course at no point you say you know oh actually i don't it's too much i don't want yeah one. the first decision is i'm going to have a flavor well, right now we're in now we're into this it this is what now um, let's crack on when i changed my diet and uh, i actually found a couple of things is that one if it felt like it felt so much easier going to restaurants in a way because now it's a bit harder because they have more choice for vegans and stuff. But before it was like, there was no choice. It was just like one thing. So it meant that I didn't struggle with, oh, this is good and this is good and this, and can I have this and would this be a better choice? It's like, no, the only thing that you can have by your own choice because of how you decided to eat is this thing. I found that was so freeing. And then the other thing was, is actually it gave me more choice in a way. Let's say I went into a sandwich shop and I'm used to, always getting chicken sandwich so all i would ever see would be a chicken sandwich but by taking the meat away i suddenly opened my eyes up yeah. to other possibilities so it's kind of like so it's like um, actually it came to my mind earlier i should have mentioned it because uh, harry very kindly made me a smoothie and a juice earlier on today and i said to him why don't you just put it all into <laughs> yeah. into one thing why are you making two separate things it seems crazy to put it into one and make one smoothie and, he, and you said oh but the benefits are different because the juice won't, won't be uh, this way it doesn't really digest it and, yeah. and whatever and actually I had this thought, I didn't mention it at the time, but it's a bit like going into, let's say Holland and Barrett. Uh, hopefully most people, maybe not the American listeners, but it's like a vitamin store, uh, mm. you know, you go and get health, a good health food store. If you go into Holland and Barrett with an unlimited budget, and I said you've got to read every single bottle, 
most people go, well, and I'll read an echinacea, that's good for this. Oh, that'd be good for me. You read iron, well, I need more irons, I need this, I need more zinc. You'd come out with every single thing because everything on the bottle will tell you that the health benefits. Mm. So you would naturally want to put, and I've made this mistake with making smoothies at home and green smoothies, is you try and get every single superfood into one smoothie. What yeah. happens is it tastes like crap, it doesn't work. And actually, it's not what we need either. Just because the bottle tells us it's good for X, Y, and Z doesn't mean I'm deficient in it. The best way really for me to understand my needs is to do some kind of, I don't know, body composition test or, or some kind of analysis that tells me I need more magnesium in my diet and maybe that's because I don't sleep very well. Maybe I need more, uh, I, my sweat, I've done my sweat rate, so I know I get rid of 1,500 milligrams of salt per litre, which is very high compared to the average, I think it's 977. So I get rid of almost, two, no, two times more salt than most people, right? So I know that I need more sodium when I'm exercising. But I know that from doing the analysis first. Mm. But if I go into a Holland and Barrett, the chance I come out with everything, and a lot of it I don't need, but the yeah. natural assumption is when you've got all that choice and yeah. everyone is telling you and every bottle is telling you that everything is good, we must have everything, yeah. we must put it all in. And actually it's not always what's good for us. Um, the, 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 I don't know if it naturally links to authenticity, but the thing that's good for me is the things I'm genuinely deficient in. And they're the things hopefully are going to make me better. And for a lot of people, if you've well, got good... people, a lot of people are deficient in authenticity. I oh. think that's what. Yeah. I, think, I think that's what we've, we've we've concluded. And I think, I mean, like trying to understand. I mean, I guess a mirror to the world, like your friends or your people close to you might hold a mirror up to you and and help you understand if you're being authentic. But like you said, your body will tell you. You know, if you're going into work and there's that knot, if you're having that conversation with that person and there's that yeah. knot, and it's like, okay, what is, and this is what I was talking about a couple of episodes ago when I was talking, when I had that frank conversation with that friend in Estonia, I was like, it wasn't exactly a knot, but it was like a, a little charge that I had to release because I was like, actually, I'm not being more my authentic self and I'm not being honest and it's not, and as long as I come from a place of understanding, caring, love, whatever, into that conversation, and this is, I think, going back to that open house sex orgy type thing is that's what they were talking about it's like that therapist like come from that place and also be very clear on your communication and the boundaries that you set and all of that and this is what um i i heard from some other relationship woman that was speaking to about me about her three-year or two-year polyamorous relationship and she was like and visiting all these places that she became very very good on what she was willing to tolerate and not willing to tolerate and her communication and and I got that same impression from that watching those shows yesterday. It was it was all about communication. And they're like, okay, this is how far I'm willing to go in this situation. This is what I want you to do. This is what, what not what you to do. One guy got into trouble actually because before they went to the retreat, the 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 woman, the wife, had said, you know, you're not allowed to engage. You're just gonna, you know, this is kind of my thing. But I want you there and involved. And then she was getting frisky with this woman, this other woman, and. Then she got annoyed with him afterwards because he didn't engage. And he's like, but I've just, I've just done what you've said at the boundaries. And she said, yeah, but, you know, things were going in a different direction. You should have, like, But she's judging him, there. It's interesting. Yeah, and then in the end, the next day, they, they made an agreement with the therapist that he could then engage in some ways. And then, and then they both came out much happier because, it, like, the, the rules have been set, the parameters have yeah. been set. Um, it's just when there's not that communication and you're you're doing it to not offend the other person or whatever reason, you know. I think often, I mean, one of the scariest things to a lot of people, right, is uh, I'll go back to karaoke because it seems to be a common thing where people want to do it. And as you say, when you've gone uh, yeah. up once, you can't, then you can't get them off the stage. And that's yeah. often one of the biggest signs of this is authentically what you want to do, but you don't fear of judgment. And when you've gone one song, suddenly that fear has gone. Beauty of fear, of course, is fear promotes action. 
apathy doesn't. Apathy, I call the apathy like the eels of this world have just given up on, on everything. They're much mm. harder to try and motivate. But those who struggle with fear means fear often will result in an action. Freeze, flight, whatever. Mm. But you'll usually have a reaction to it. But when you're in that queue, if you imagine the first four go and you know it's going to be your turn, and there'll be an experience in everyone's life where you can, you've been hypnotized or you're about to sing or whatever, and someone, you can, someone asks you to tell a joke, and it's about, or they ask you to read in school, whatever, and you know mm. it's going to be hit on your turn, and you're not a good reader. You get that knot in your stomach. I would ask you to try and investigate the knot. Mm. Like, is the knot there because you're worried about the judgment of everyone else in the classroom, the theatre, whatever, friend, friendship group? Or is it there because you generally, I don't know, whatever it is, but explore the knot. Because mm. nine times out of ten, it's because you're fearful of the judgment that other people are going to give yeah. you when you do that thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as you said earlier, like no one else can make you feel anything. No. So change the way you think about that's it. It's a really hard concept for people to understand. So if you if you're listening to this and you don't get that, that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's like if you if you, if you consider yourself cool or you consider yourself not cool, both is true. Yeah. Like it it it. it <laughs> yeah. No, you, you, one person's cool and someone else is not exactly. cool anyway. You, right? you choose the meaning. You know, like everything. So, but um, I think um, we should probably wrap up because I think hopefully some people are going to be coming around soon for your birthday barbecue, mate. Yeah, it's so just a, a chilled, chilled lads one, I think, tonight. So, um, but, uh, vegan plant based uh, well, burgers, I, I, I vegan now, champagne. Well, no, I said bring whatever you want. Sunshine. You know, you can, they, they can bring meat. Um, they can See, I've been inauthentic, really, because I've bought plant based burgers and yeah, I usually have a meat eating. Exactly. So you're, but I would argue that's me but, trying but, to be considerate to the other Exactly, ones. which is also being authentic to yourself as being a considerate person. Well, it is. And also because I'm not afraid to tell you that usually I eat meat. <laughs> I, I really don't take offence uh, on any of those things and I'm quite happy to have meat on the barbecue but we do have half the meat and half the veg and then um, then we'll get the fire going afterwards although yesterday it was 30 degrees at like 10, 11, 12 yeah. at night so we probably don't even need a fire but it's nice to have it anyway we need to get a photo of the spot for it in the we show do notes. yeah and I think I also need to let my mates know the address mm. some of them because they're like where is it again I know it by sight but I don't actually know but listeners thank you for tuning in it's been quite a long chit chat hopefully uh, you're still in the room and um, remember to share it with a friend or colleague or anyone you think might benefit from the content we've got an Instagram channel now which is the underscore mindful underscore podcast so check that out and follow us on Instagram if you can and um, remember to subscribe and review if you get a minute thank you for listening and take care everyone cheers thanks for tuning in to the mindful past podcast with Nick Day and Harry Kalimnos we hope you found our discussions insightful and hopefully you've gained some valuable takeaways to support you on your own journey. Please leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform and share an episode that resonates with you with a friend or family member who may also find it valuable. Please also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to ensure you never miss a future episode. And In the meantime, we'll continue exploring mindful path topics to provide you with more insights and more ideas to support you on your personal growth journey. Thank you for your support and look out for the next episode of the Mindful Paths podcast dropping soon.